It is recording. Is it really recording? It's recording. Is it happening? I know what I'm going to do for your roast today. It's not really a roast. <laughs> it's just... It's just a description of you. <laughs> okay. So, hello. Hello, welcome to Mexicans. Welcome to Mexicans. <laughs> because we're Mexican. And you know what? I could, but now I can't. Oh I my god, you're in such a can't. good mood. I have. Let, I know. Me, let me introduce to you my co-host, Martin Leon. Now, this is normally when I say something mean about him, but now I'm just going to say what he just did. <laughs> we just spent an hour and a half recording what, in my opinion, is one of the best episodes we've ever done. I'm not going to tell you what it's about because we're going to have to re-record it. And the reason, the reason we're going to have to re-record it is because Martin literally forgot to press record on his phone. And then he switched to the timer, to the um, stopwatch app in, so on his phone. See, yeah. So you can see how much time this has happened. I also have, I also question why do we do this since the recording thing also has a timer, but this is a thing that because Martin Because it goes, it goes uh, dark if it's not on the stopwatch. Great. So there's a reason for everything. And yeah. Martin forgot to press record. So we've lost an episode that we literally just recorded. It was great. And that's my uh, roast for you. You're useless. <laughs> I'm sorry. So again, I, I, I thought I knew it was going to happen eventually. I knew it was going to happen in a good show too. Uh, and it happened. So now I'm going to be way more careful about this thing until I forget and it happens again. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll just have to do this we, again we, we, and again we, and again. We need a producer. This is when you introduce me. Okay. This, I, this is my co-host. He's good for nothing. Uh, <laughs> this is my co-host. Uh, I, honestly, I... You know, I have nothing bad to say about my co-host, except maybe he has a questionable taste in friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in co-hosts. Uh, I wouldn't be a part of a podcast that would have me as a member. That's all I will say. Okay, in the so words of Luis the great Augusto. Groucho Marx. Okay, uh, you can follow Luis Augusto at Mr. Drama, Mr. Spelled Fully. M I S T E R. And you Instagram. can follow Martin at Mint on a Rel on it's Instagram, Facebook. It's Martin Leon with the letter scrambled. He thinks he's Voldemort. He's just like, he's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm racist and I don't have a nose. I actually do have One a of lot these two of a nose. things is a lie. <laughs> I do have a lot of a nose. You do have a lot of a nose. Yeah, so how have you how have you It's not racism if it's against white people. It's true. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? Of course there's racism against white people. It's inverse racism. How can you like we've suffered so much. You do you so think it was easy going around the world conquering places? People not wanting to be I mean, conquered. Do you think cannons just make themselves? Do you think people's people's just subjugate themselves to the empire? How could you? I mean, according, according to Roger Kipling, they kind of do. Anywho. Oh, oh, I like Roger Kipling. I like, I like Roger Kipling too, but you know, there's, you, that we're going to talk about this more in another episode, but there's problematic things to everything. There are problematic things, yes. Especially things that are made uh, at any point in the past. Yes. Anywho. <laughs> Before today. Anywho. Uh, so, uh, our Mexican stereotype of the day, uh, I actually, I actually put this one forth. Uh, He's very insistent about this. Well, you know, I just want to talk about Thalia. Why do you want to talk about Thalia? 
Because I think a lot of people know Talia, but like a Mexican telenovela, she's been in three different telenovelas. What telenovelas has she done? Uh, Maria del Barrio, Marimar, and Maria, what's, Maria Mercedes is the third one. Oh, so there's a, a lot of, there's like a Maria trilogy. Yes. Here. You don't know this? No, I did not. Yeah, the only thing you know about Talia is... I know she sings a song that I really like, which is called Amor a la Mexicana. It's one of my greatest guilty pleasures because it's like, it's basically taking Mexican stereotype of the day and turning it into a song. That's why I wanted to talk about Talia. <laughs> so like, and the, the music video, she's like, she's wearing this amazing like charro outfit with the hat and everything. She looks fabulous. I, I love that her, the music video is basically Mexico done camp. Yes. It's everything, uh, everything about Mexico, every, every single stereotype of Mexico. Uh, Except drugs, maybe. I mean, she, she should make like an updated version of, oh, that could be like a bit. Like just changing the stereotypes, just like drugs and child murder, you know, it's like doing yeah. this. So, um, so the chorus for Amor a la Mexicana goes, uh, Amor a la Mexicana, which is love Mexican style, uh, tequila tabaco or cerveza tabacurrones. Let me, let me check. I, no, it has to be tequila, right? It's okay. Here is uh, Amor a la Mexicana de Cumbia Guapango y Son. De Cumbia Guapango. Is Cumbia Mexican? No, it's it's not Mexican, but it's Mexican. Okay. Like, well, Cumbia Guapango y Son are three different types. None of... of them are from Mexico. As far as I know, Cumbia is from Colombia, Guapango is Spanish. And Son is Cuban, as far as, okay. I, as, far as I know. But there's three Latino... Uh, and they're very important in yes. Mexico. They've and it's very Mexican in the, in, the, in, the, in the way that a lot of foreigners think anything Latino is Mexican, right? No, and if you play, <laughs> if you play a cumbia at a, at a wedding, like, that's the easy way. A DJ, when the party is going down, put some Stelena on, and it's just going to fucking pop. Like, it's just going to, like, BDD so, bomb bomb, just, yeah. <laughs> The cumbia guapango son. What's next? Uh, caballo, bota y sombrero. Horse, boot, and sombrero. <laughs> sombrero. Because even though it is literally translated into hat, it's not the same thing a hat than a sombrero. Yeah. Tequila, tabaco, y rum. Tequila, tobacco, and rum. This is rum. You know this. Okay. So, yeah. And I also like... I, I have to admit that Talia videos, as, as well as other um, women pop star videos, when I was especially Mexican pop star videos, when I was growing up, they were kind of like my porn. Really? Because they had, like, hot guys in them. Okay. So, you, did you did you explore yourself? Watching no, of course not. No, no, I haven't, I haven't touched myself because I'm not married. I'm saving this for my husband. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing it all wrong. Just... Just, just FYI, just like you get, you get to just get like my Christian school used to say, when you touch yourself, you're raping yourself. Okay, <laughs> that explains a lot. You know, I don't entirely disagree. <laughs> what do you do to yourself? Well, I can tell you, there's consent. So you know. Okay, so uh, so you know this song, and it's one of your guilty pleasures. Why is it one of your guilty pleasures? Because I think it's just catchy as fuck. I. There's this thing about national stereotypes when they're presented in a pretty packaging. Because yes. I am very much politically an anti-nationalist. Maybe it's because I'm the son of immigrants. So I, I've never really like fallen in love with my country in the sense that many people seem to love Mexico. And I really love Mexico. But I love Mexico in the sense of, you know, the pilgrims' pride kind of But you're more aware of its warts and... Yes. Yeah. 
shortcoming. Exactly. But then every once in a while, some nationalism, some patriotic, let's call it, some patriotic thing comes up in a pretty packaging. And I will just eat that shit up for some reason. So, you know, like it happened to me when I was living in Australia. Like it, this thing. Of course. Where Mexicans, we go abroad and then we suddenly become so proud. This just makes the heart grow thunder. Exactly. And then, you know, when there was like Cinco de Mayo, which I've never really, the first time I celebrated it was in Australia because there was this party at the embassy and a bunch of friends and I, they were like, are you going to go to the Cinco de Mayo? I was like, fuck no. And then I ended up going and I cooked tinga for them and I made all these Mexican things for them. And I was like, Mexico, yeah. But I was this rabid... Viva Mexico, I was this rabid patriot that I've never been. And Amorada Mexicana is kind of like that in bite size. Like, it's it's very catchy. It's very... Like, the, the, the lyrics are problematic, I'm just going to say, because I've, I've never actually paid attention to them. But after the tequila, tabaco y ron, there's this lovely thing which says, um, Love Mexican style, hot to the rhythm of the sun. So far, so good. And then slowly... And then slowly he kills me, the macho of my heart. Yes. Which, you mm. know. Mi macho de corazón. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's very much like a song that's, that is, you know, like go, looking at the Mexican macho and me like, oh, man. This is what a man looks like. This is what a man. And of course, you know, when Talia dances with a man, it's always. This guy is like, okay, fine. I mean, he can rough me up a little bit. Just fine. He can must. drink a little and rough me up. If it's fine. you must do this, then yeah. yes. Um, but I, I like it. I like these little things. Like even and like this is kind of like the B side to this song by Luis Miguel, which is uh, Mexico or Me gusta Mexico or something. Yeah, like, which is again el corazón. Mexico, yeah. I mean, me gusta Mexico, yes. Yeah, it's speaking of, um, I mean, because there's exactly there's a Luis Miguel song Mexico, there's a Timbiriche song Mexico, and then there's this, this one. Song. Exactly, and I'm sorry, uh, Americans, if you're listening, but how many pop hits have you had in the last twenty years that literally go USA? Not many. And that, that, and that aren't like you know ironic in a way or another. Cause oh you, no, we play it straight. Because we, we fucking play it straight. Because uh, born in the USA isn't. Um, that's from the seventies. That's from the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Um, like since the nineties. I mean, I'm sure country country music has, has country a, music. A, a yeah, it does have a lot of yeah, and and then you get like the the California girls from Katy Perry and the New York from the other woman who sings New York. Was it Taylor Swift? No. Welcome to New York, the Taylor Swift. New York. Oh, that's. Um, was it Rihanna? No. Uh, something with an A. Um, it's, a, it's a girl that sings... I think it's the, sing, the girl that sings This Girl Is On Fire. Okay, that girl. Whatever. So you get the local... Yeah. Uh, the local pride. Yeah, the, well, yeah. you know. Yeah, you, you have a lot of local pride and, you know, you have... A... But every once in a while, like... Look, for example, uh, my, my boyfriend, some of his best friends, they're genuine, honest-to-God charros. And really? I've never... Yeah, and, and I'd never hung out with any of these people before. Um, obviously rich as fuck tons of money and they've invited me to a couple of their parties and the first time I was invited to a party it was actually uh, 15 de September it was Independence Day and I was like oh it's gonna be terrible like bunch of snobs just awful I had the time of my life. The horses are beautiful. The things that they do and the acrobatics and, you know, the costumes are so campy. Yeah. It's all, it's pretty much gay pride on a horse, you know? Um, 
And the men are wearing these really campy things as well, and they're I so proud the of it. I love the charros; they're so they're so shiny. Yeah, and they're so proud of and it. They're so they, tight. They don't give a fuck. Oh my god! Yeah, no, no. You, can, you can tell they're doing their kegels on that horse. Because <laughs> and I loved it. I just lo- I I loved the nationalism of the whole okay. thing, even though I'm not that guy. So I like that. I'll take that okay. and I'll go. So coming back to Talia before going into the main meat of the episode, yeah. um, is this the only thing you know about Talia? And that I knew she'd been on telenovelas. I didn't know all the her telenovelas were Maria's. Um, what else do I know about Talia? She was the voice in Spanish for Anastasia. I did not know that. I know she's one of the muses. Is she though? Because yeah. I, I remember Tatiana did. She's the muse. No, like. Oh, Talia's the muse of music. No, she's actually the muse of comedy. Oh right, that's what that that's right. That, that is, and I knew this because at one point I'm like, I'm gonna to, I'm gonna go to two of the music comedy, and then I saw the name, I'm like I can't do that. I can't. You can go for tragedy. Yeah, but I wanted the music comedy. What's the music tragedy? Melpomene. Melpomene. Yeah. yeah, that's a tragic name right there. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, she got the job for a reason. Yeah, no, I wanted to have the music comedy. Like, I thought, like, I, maybe I could do, like, I'd have a tattoo of some design with a music comedy. Yeah. But then it's another name, Talia. And here in Mexico, I cannot have that. And people not think, like, oh, you're a fan of Talia. And now we're going to play every single Talia song. And we're going to talk about soap operas and everything. I was like, and I'm not going to... Why did you choose Talia? The muse? No, her. Her? Because uh, I wanted to talk, when you told me that you liked Amor La Mexicana, I thought it would be amazing to uh, read that song, because it is Mexican stereotype. It is, The yeah. song. Mexican stereotype. But I song, also, yeah. as, of, uh, as of late, I've, like, she's just so important for so many gay men. She is... She's a gay icon. She is very much the gay icon. Okay. And... Does I, she acknowledge the fact? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, she's one of the more uh, positive gay icons, I feel. Like, unlike others, she... I mean... I don't know that she's ever gone out and come out and say, like, you know, like, yay, gay marriage or something. I don't know if she's taking a political stance on it, other than I'm cool with gay people. Okay. Um, but, you know, a lot of my friends really, really, really... She's just she's just so been so important to so many Mexican gay men, and I cannot relate to that at all. No, neither can I. But, I mean, I, I respect her, I guess. I, I mean, she hasn't married a politician, has she? She married, uh, I think she married a producer, Tony Motola. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But, you know, because there's this thing of uh, Mexican soap and pop stars marrying politicians. That yeah, no, she, I don't, I don't know. No, no, no. She, she, I think she married this guy a while ago. She Tommy Motola, the, like, the, from, Mot- wasn't he the producer from Motown? I don't Tommy know. Tommy Motola. He was this guy who, he was Just look for sued by Michael I Jackson. might be wrong. So, yeah, that's. Her husband. That's oh, wow. and that's why she started doing like music in English for a while, and then she came back because like nobody cares. And they're still married, going on nearly twenty years. Nice. Look at Talia go. She's very, strong. she's very beautiful. I'll say that. She is very beautiful. Talia is a very beautiful. So that's why I wanted to talk about her because I mean the one thing you know about her, I thought it was funny that it was like again Mexican stereotype, the song. Yeah. And also she is. I do think she like. If you show a photo of Talia, she is she does she does just exude telenovela. She's she is yeah. She's kind of like the you know when when people say you know the the hot Latina, yes. she really kind of embodies it, even though she's white as fuck. But you know, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean when when let's call it what for, it is for, for Marimar, she's supposed to be like costeñita and she has like the act like everyone because like in Marie in. Mariela del Barrio, she's supposed to be like a poor girl that works at a trash uh, 
like at a trash place. Um, and she's so she's, always, she's they're, they're, well, she's I don't know if that's makeup or what. I think she's, she, she, she. I mean, she. I think she tans beautifully too. She does tan beautifully. Um, she was. She's young here. How how young was she when she did Mary Mar? I don't know. It's it's well a while ago. How old is Talia Mary Mar was first, and then it was Maria del Barrio. I have no idea. I think it was Maria Mercedes first, then I think it was Mary Mar, and then it was Maria del Barrio. I think Maria del Barrio was the last one because that's the kind of the last one I remember. Okay. Anyway, so Mexican stereotype of the day, Talia. Yeah, listen to Talia. Listen yeah. to Amor a la I do like this song about my guilty pleasure for Talia. It's a song called Seduction, which is one of her more recent songs. And it okay. says, like, it's seduction, dangerous potion. It's like, oh my God. And it's kind of problematic in the fact it's like, it sounds like you're putting a roofie in someone's drink. Oh. <laughs> but I know you want it. You know, let's do a whole. Exactly. Yeah, let's do a whole. Blurred lines. Yeah, a whole medley of. So anyway, that was the Mexican state of the day. So going back to the episode, and I'm just going to check that we're recording right now because I'm. If we're not, you're fired. No, we have been you're recording. Fired! I will fire your <laughs> ass, and I will do this podcast by myself. I would deserve it too. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about uh, we're, we're, it's a self-indulgent episode. Yes, we're going to talk, we're going to tell you about our lives if you care to know exactly. about us. And we're going to, we, well, when you're having conversations with comedians, and we are comedians, or I like to think I am a comedian, but Dean is definitely a comedian, um, even though his last joke was terrible because he just wasted an hour and a half of my time. And we don't I yet, deserve this. And, I deserve this. And we don't know how much time I've got left. <laughs> so, you know, let's just simmer. Let's just let that simmer. Yeah. You had fun. I did. I did have fun. And that's, that's a good investment. Like, it's just, it's fun. Um, when you talk about, with comedians, and I read, one, one of my favorite things about being a comedian is the com- the conversations you have with, with comedians. Yes. That you like. Because there's, well, you know. there's comedians that will just come up to you and say like, oh, I also, saw your last let, oh, the, the comedians that you have, the conversations you have with comedians that are comedians. That are, that, that, that are actually funny. Because there are other, there are comedians that I don't particularly love, but I have great conversations with them. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, and there's comedians that maybe you don't really like them on a personal level, but then you respect their work as a comedian and you go like, I can have a conversation with this guy and it's fine. Yes. Uh, and one of the big conversations with comedians is your best show and your worst show. Like yes. good good times and bad times on stage. And yes, because that's something we can relate to. We can all relate to, yeah. It's basically, it's one of the, it's not the how's the weather of the comedian world. <laughs> that's the how was your last show. But this is, you know, you've been talking for a while and you. it's when you're asking, uh, what would be the question here? Uh, how's the family? How's the family? That's a big how's one. How's the family's how? How's the traffic today? That's a big one. Exactly. Yeah. Traffic is Mexican weather. Yes. You, you'll get... And, and they're linked. And they and they, it's just stating the obvious, like, an Uber driving is driving you, literally stuck in traffic jam, and you'll go, lot of traffic, eh? It's like, fuck you. Are like, you serious? Like, and you're like, is there? I is hadn't there? noticed. I'm sorry. Um, a, fr- a, 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 a comedian from Texas, uh, who's Mexican, but he's living in Texas, came recently uh and he was uh he you know he went uh he he used uber and he for some reason he maybe it's an american thing he rode on the front seat with the uber driver maybe i'm just a bad person and i drive i 
sit in the back? I usually sit on the back, but I do it more for their benefit than for mine. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, so anyway, so he he had first seat to how Uber drivers <laughs> drive in Mexico. Yeah. And he's probably now going to write a whole he was hour about that. Yeah. He was just terrified. Yeah, well, it is. it, it can get quite terrifying. I'm not going to so, lie. So anywho, so the question is here... Uh, best and worst shows. Oh, we have mentioned that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, which one do you want to start with? Um, best or worst? Let's start with best, because worst is more fun, I think. <laughs> worst is so much more fun. Okay. And I think you should start, because you're the senior comedian here. Okay. Going on 10 years now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. Yeah, 10 years next year. Um, so, my best show... Okay, I'm gonna. Um, I don't want to. No, I, I was gonna divide it uh, into two. Like, yes, go ahead. Divide two. away. Who cares? That's exactly. Divide between, divide between zero. Like, you already took my time. Yes. Take some more. Just go ahead. <laughs> Just feel free. Just feel free. Okay, I have to say that one of the most great, great shows I've had has been the one you, you were in that show uh, when I like did my full hour called Nine Years and Counting in April. This year, um, I was there. I was privileged enough. Um, I did say that at the end of the show, and I did talk a little bit about that here. It was the first time I've done. Like, I didn't care about the audience, but I just cared about like delivering a show that I, you know, like crafted. I call this, and it's maybe like you know, like uh, a, a wrong wrong way to explain, but it's like crafted experience. Like you, you know exactly where you want to take the audience, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just. Okay, joke, 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 It joke. had a narrative. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Which and... is something I might, if I may interrupt really quickly, it's not common in Mexico. I know that comedians in the States and in the UK, less so in the UK, but it still happens. Uh, in the States, it's becoming more and more pervasive, the idea that a show has to be a self-contained arc of, sure, you're going to talk about sometimes disjointed topics but there is a thing that you're here There's to a, do exactly. and you have your Nanettes and your uh, Pat Oswalt's and your Sarah Silverman's who are increasingly drawing on this huge arc and narrative joining the things together and uh, that's what you did and I haven't seen many Mexican comedians have the massive balls to do something that people are not used to doing here I mean, I for me it was that it was it, it was just such a great show. The audience connected beautifully. I, I, I did everything that I set out to do from the beginning, and now having done that, now I kind of turning that show into another thing. Uh, in because I do feel that the 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 main message of that show is you can't hate people into changing who they are. Um, and I want to take that message and like turn it into another, again, crafted experience, sort of start somewhere, end somewhere and have a place in between where you are. It's like, we're still, it's like, we're still comedy. We're still having fun and everything, but it's not all about comedy. It's about, um, it's about this realizing. There's a discourse. Exactly. So for me, that was one, but also, um, I, I want to say that, like, I've, ha- I've been having a lot of good shows lately that I feel very comfortable on stage, even if there aren't a lot of, a lot of people <laughs> as an audience. Let's not even talk about audience, audience it's, numbers. it's complicated, but yeah. 
But um, but I went to Tlaxcala recently, and Tlaxcala is like a small, 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 small. It's the smallest state in the country. Yeah, and it's the, the, we went to the sports bar in Tlaxcala, so there were like drunk people, drunk men in Tlaxcala who see a drunk guy on stage, and uh, not drunk guy, they see a gay guy on stage, and they're like, "Of course we're gonna make fun of him. He's gay. He's not supposed to be like telling us what to do." Yeah. So I got on stage, and it, there were some tables that like were connecting, but the, but there were. A couple of tables were just men, drunk men going like, why are you on stage uh, taking, you know, space? Were you the main act? No, I was the, I was opening for Adriana Chavez. Okay. Uh, who's a, who's a, a lesbian. Um, and, and at first it seemed like it was kind of gonna not go my way because they were like, um, they were gonna, it seemed like they were gonna take over and it was one of my proudest moments on stage because like I was like you know doing my doing doing my job basically and at some point when I when I was like like quiet to set up the next joke the guy just go one of the drunk guys just go like uh come sit here you know come sit, come sit in my lap you know like and it was and it, which you know it's it was just silence and it's like what is he gonna say because it, it, it just, so I just turn around and like, I told him like I just might my standards are that low right now. Oh, <laughs> and what happened? No, like the whole, the whole, everyone Broke but him started yeah. laughing. And then once the laughter died down, like that's how lonely I am right now. Like drunk guy in Tlaxcala. That's how, that's how low I'm willing to go right now. Very good. So then like five minutes later, his table, which like three drunk guys left, but like, I didn't give a shit. The rest, the I, like that had the, the rest of the night was just ours because Brilliant. that was the point in which like Very and good. and I've been I've been having some again good shows and connecting with the audiences here and this was the first time in a while where I have someone like confront me so directly, especially after the one show I had ages ago where the confrontation went not my way at all. Uh, and this time I just and also I, I managed to do it. Without it seeming like I was like, you know, like, like I was just, I was, I was very casual about it. Like, I'm sure I'll do it. But yeah. like, and I was really, really proud of that. Uh, so those are my two, my two best shows. And I think both, what both have in common is that I am just feeling so much more comfortable on stage doing and saying what I want to do and say on stage. And this has just translated back from when I'm writing I am, I feel like I'm writing, I, I, I did an open mic just this Monday and I was just, it was all new material and it all worked beautifully. And I was just, this hasn't happened in a long while. It's usually trying new things and most of it is like, so that's a new joke. <laughs> just going to go cry in the bathroom right now. Um, it's very unnerving to go with all new material. Yes. It's just really unnerving. And I, I, I do that too. Like whenever I, I bring new material into the open mic, I don't open with one of my staples. Like I don't, I don't do that. So a lot of comedians do it. And I think that they're on the right track, to be honest. But mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't, don't really like to say, I'm going to tell this quick joke and now I'm going to go into the real thing. Um, it's happened to me maybe once or twice that I bring all new material and it all works. And it's such a good feeling. Like, it is. So you, you feel, so you feel like dropping the fucking mic. Like this is this is what I do. Like just yeah, it feels great. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you about my best show. I'm going to tell you about two, as well. Um, the first one is the first one I did where I hit nearly an hour. 
which okay. was this was about this was in April. I think it was in April. Yeah, it was an on. It was we were because I was doing I think the American Legion show exactly. Yeah, and I was with Alex Kiros, another wonderful comedian, uh, and we had this two man show, and it was just us. And I closed. He opened, and I closed with fifty. It was about fifty four. And you were very nervous about closing that show. I too. was. Incredibly nervous. Alex Kidos is a powerhouse of a comedian. He's got this amazing energy. Um, he's like he holds the the audience's attention so well, and he did really, 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 really well. Um, and then uh, it was me, and I just like halfway through. I was so nervous of remembering the whole thing, and it's just like because I'd been doing stand up for one year and seven months, maybe not less, one year and four months. And year and a half, and having an hour of material by that time, it felt like I'm I'm doing something wrong. Like this can't work when I put it all together, and I'd never seen it come together until that moment. And I was like, this can either go well, and it can go terribly bad. And it went so well. And I started like started with my jokes, and then I went to jokes that I hadn't told for maybe six or seven months, and I remembered them. I didn't practice the whole thing. I didn't do that because I, I just wanted to put it together to see how, how it happened. And I, I relaxed. I breathed because I'm usually, I'm usually so nervous of meeting the time that I have to do that I don't really breathe. I just go from one joke to the next and it's just like really tense. And I kind of relaxed and I let the audience do their job and they clapped a lot and they stopped me and they, they stopped me to, to clap and they kept interrupting me with these huge bursts of laughter. All the jokes landed. I felt so great. I felt so supported. And I felt like, oh my God, I, I am a comedian. Like I felt like a real comedian. Um, when, because I, I always felt like I was skipping steps, like kind of like this imposter syndrome. Like I can't possibly have a solid 50 minute show. Like, there's no way I, I have that. And the only way of finding out if you do is if you do it. But then again, I've always made fun of these comedians who started with me, who are like, I'm going to do a one-man show, just yes. one hour, 20 minutes. And I was like, I've, I've seen you. You don't have 20 minutes <laughs> of tight, solid comedy. And I'm not going to lie, not all of it was as tight. Like, there were some parts that were better than others. Yeah. But it held its own. It, it's just, it was a show. I did a show. And I was like, I, I, I remember how great it felt. And the other really good show I want to talk about, this is such a funny anecdote. Um, I was doing La Loteria del Stand Up, which is uh, one of the one of the troops I am with uh, right now. And we had a show at this theater. Well, this, uh, it's a bar. And we normally had an audience of anywhere between 20 and 30 people. Is this at Kingsport? No, it was at Forest Shakespeare, Shakespeare, which okay. which has since closed. Uh, it's opening soon, I believe, a reopening. Um, and it was me, and it was uh, Soline, and it was Awita de Coco. These are the two really great comedians, amazing comedians. And um, there were supposed to be four of us, and I don't remember who the fourth person was. And if I remembered, I wouldn't say because they basically uh, bombed. They, no, they flaked. They didn't show oh. for some reason. Uh, and then Soline was like, well, we've got half an hour can we do half an hour i'd been doing stand-up then i'd been doing stand-up for about seven months and the worst my worst nightmare was having small audiences 
that's the worst thing. Like some comedians really connect with a small audience. For me, it's the worst. Like it, it just, it breaks me. It just breaks me because it's so clear when something's not working, when it's three people. Yes. And no one is laughing and it's just awful. And we decided it's going to be the three of us. Okay, fantastic. We get to the theater and at the bar and the, the girl who is at the, at the box office, she goes, you've got two tickets. I was like, what? It had rained that day. And rain in Mexico City means people will just stay put. Yeah, no, they're just, yeah. They will just not show. They're like, apparently we, we live in a city of witches. Yes, apparently exactly. Will Everyone melt will melt people. Um, no, but to be fair, I mean, water does turn the city into a chaos of traffic and... Orphans. Yeah, but Photo Shakespeare, you can walk to Photo Shakespeare. True, but no, <laughs> no, it was genuinely pouring. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. genuinely pouring. So she says, like, we've got two tickets sold. And we... I was of the I, I, I was under the impression that if we had less than five, we would cancel the show and we would just give them a refund and give them free uh, tickets, tickets the for, next time. Yeah, yeah, the next time or whatever. Um, and then Solin, he did he the, this guy. Um, he said something really interesting, and I was I was I, I did not expect that because I was busy having a meltdown. Uh, he said, "These two guys, whoever they are." They've bought the tickets, and as far as we know, they're coming right now. Through the traffic and through the rain and through the hell that is the city, we don't know where they're coming from, but as far as we know, until they show, or until they don't show, these guys are coming, and they're coming to see us. So we can cancel, or we can just give them the show of their lives. And I remember, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, please, no. Please, let's not do this. I was like, can we please cancel? And they go, where do you want to go? Like, Solin was very, very... He, is, um, he started about a year and a half before I did. So he was the senior in that group of very inexperienced comedians. In the, you know, being fair, we were very inexperienced comedians. We were playing with fire, really. But, you know, stupid people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Worst case scenario, bad comedy show has not killed anyone. Yeah, but bad but comedy shows for two people. Bad comedy show for two people. You, well, you at, know, at some point you that just, is the place to have a bad comedy show. It's only two people. Yeah, but at some point you're just being cruel to them. At some point it's just cruelty. Yeah. So uh, he, so goes, where do you want to go on this show? Do you want to go? Do you want to open? Do you want to go in the middle? Or do you want to go at the end? And I say, I want to go in the middle. You know, and he said, fine, I'm going to open. And he is a very, he's probably the the most effective opener that I know. Like we all have our roles. I'm a very decent follower and. Often a decent closer. I'm not the best opener still to the day. Um, and he opens a show and he goes on stage and he goes on stage with his beer and he just sits down on the stage because these two people, they were a couple. Uh, well, okay. Okay. The thing people with four Shakespeare had four different spaces. Yes. You had the huge forum, which sits like a hundred people, which yes. I assume that was not it. No, it was at the bar. Uh, okay. Was... There's a, there's the bar. Yeah. Um, it, well, there's a, there's a little bar with a little, and then there were two other uh, spaces, uh, like on the second floor that are also kind of small, yeah. but you were in the bar. We were at the bar. That yeah. place sits like 40 people. I think. No, no, like 30. 30. Yeah. Uh, I think thirty-two. Yeah, and unlike like the other the other spaces are they look way more theater like they're like uh, seats facing forward, no yeah. tables, and this is very much looking like a comedy bar. A comedy bar, yeah. It was it's a standard comedy bar okay. thing, and the guy just sits down. He starts doing his thing, and the, they start laughing, and he's just looking at them and me. Yeah, and, where else do you look? <laughs> no, no, but, but he's like engaging with them in a way that I'd never seen a comedian do. 
Okay. Uh, because he made it very intimate and very friendly. And he is a very friendly guy. He's laughing a lot. He's this big smiler. He's always like, eh, laughing a lot. And um, it was me sit. I was sitting like two uh, tables behind these two guys with Awita. And at some point in the middle of his set, he goes like, yeah, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off stage. I'm going to tell you one more joke. Luis Augusto, you don't even have to go backstage. You can just climb up on the stage when you're ready. And then he goes, turn around, guys. That guy there, he's your next comedian. As you can see, there's three comedians today and two people in the audience. So there's more, com- more comedians than audience members today. And he's, he did it in such a great way. And I went on stage and I was just like, I can do this. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And I killed them. They were laughing so much. They were just like wheezing Did with laughter. Did you all laughter. sit down? Uh, no, I, 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 I remained uh, standing. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm not that guy yet. Um, but I remained standing and I was looking straight at them. And I had a big problem back then with eye contact. I, I used to tell... You probably saw me in my earlier shows. I love it. Like, it... You you, yeah. you you kind of you pretend to be looking at someone else and you're not actually looking, you're looking at, at nothing. Anyone. Yeah, you're looking at nothing. And you know, there's so many, usually there's enough people for you to be pretending to be looking at someone else and people not realizing that you are not in fact looking at anyone. Exactly. But when there's only one table You have to look at them. So I just like, looked at them, I did the jokes, they laughed, I got off stage, third comedian came on, he killed it as well. Every one of us had we were in our top form. We The delivery was on point. The jokes were all there. We didn't forget anything. We had fun. And these two people, and when they left, Salim turns to me and he goes, now these two assholes here who just left the the show, they will always be telling of that time when they came to a comedy show and these three comedians gave them a private show and they had a blast. Yeah. And that, and Salim went, that's to me, that's more valuable than having a full house today and I just to me that's my best show like I loved it I just it was it was great because it was it had everything in a good story I faced my demons I came out on top and I didn't faint and not fainting for me is always a plus like if if I didn't faint if I if I didn't have an anxiety attack it runs me there's this movie called 24 hour party people Uh, I forget the name of the the director but he's kind of important uh, but he's trying to like, he's trying to like, um, you know, there's this, they just had a concert. He's a music producer and he's trying to like, um, he's to, you know, like talk up a guy, you know, he just had a bad show. There were like very few people and he, the guy's like, well, you know, the best things happen when there's few people, you know, like, uh, Jesus only had 12 people. Uh, what's the guy, the, uh, the guy with Eureka? Um, Archimedes Archimedes was just by himself yeah <laughs> so um, so yeah yeah I've had some really good shows with very few people too it, it's and really it, it, I think it's it's a I mean it's a learning experience it's also this thing where like I think what it it also teaches you like you know few people while not ideal is not the worst thing that ha- can happen to you no it's not but it also teaches you the value of teamwork because up until that point, I think, I thought of myself as a self-contained comedian. The idea that okay. it's my turn, I do my thing, I get off stage, it's over. And it was actually important for all of us to be invested in that show and for all of us to do the thing. And yeah. the order of the comedians was important. I used to think that it's just an effective comedian is effective where you put them. And that's true to a degree, but it's also you have to think of the show. It's not, 
I'm the star. I'm going to be the best one. Like, I mean, I think, yeah. Because uh, recently I did a headliner set, but I wasn't the headliner. Uh, and I felt kind of bad about it because it means that the comedian after me, uh, uh, kind of like people were like, well, this show is done. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the comedian uh, after you was not as good. Uh, she, no, she was great. Uh, but, uh, but I kind of... I kind of I, I went over my time a which is not ideal, but also the light the, they were supposed to like send me the light. It's in this place new place called the Comedy Club. We mentioned this before, right? Yeah. And the light is this very subtle thing by your foot. So when I finally saw it and I realized, oh, that's the light, I was ten minutes over my time. Uh, again, also I was kind of like, well, yeah, but you, I was kind of aware. Like I'm not. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Evidence notwithstanding, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you like. It, it, I, I was doing, and it was it was also a great show in that when I left the the, the, the when I told the people goodbye, two people standed up to you know to you got applaud, standing ovations from two people wow. at, in, in the room. It was like a it, it was in, there were enough people and two people just stood up and were like yay and then I left and. And the next comedian, she she's great again, but I kind of had ended that show. It's very important that yeah to not do that. So uh, anyway, I mean, not the worst thing I've ever done. No, no, it's not. The it's worst. not like you're a criminal, but <laughs> but it's all it's true that you have to think of a show as a whole thing. Yes, and also this thing because I, I do try to be there for the whole show. Uh, to sit down and be like, what are people doing? What are people yeah. reacting to? And everything. And especially when people are starting. And in a lot of places, like I've, I've heard comedians uh, from everywhere complain about this. It's that, you know, like you, it's, it's five comedians in a show. So you're like, what, what time am I on? Okay, this. Okay. So while the comedians are on, you're outside or you're in the green room. You're like not. And when it's your turn, you just go on stage, yeah. do your thing, get off stage, uh, you know, ideally get paid, leave. <laughs> um, but I think this idea, not this idea, but this thing of comedy, a comedy show being a team effort, yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't learn until they've been doing comedy for like five years. No, and to me, it's also like the idea of having comedians that you can trust. This is something that, because I used to, when you're starting, you go to every show that will have you. Yes. This was me for the first year. It's like, do you want me? I'll be there. Yeah. Are you paying me? Fantastic. Are you not paying me? Excellent fine. as well. I'll be fine with that. It, it, it doesn't matter. You don't even ask who's going to be with you. Yeah. And it's not like I've become this cunt who's like, I'm not going to go on stage with just anyone. But it does teach you the value of trusting that the comedian is going to be okay. Like, I've probably, Solina is a comedian. Solina and you, probably you're tied with the comedians I've had more shows with. And what I really like about the two of you, even though you have very different styles of comedy, is that I have this trust that you're going to do it okay. It's going to be fine. The show is in your hands and it's it's going to be good. It's not like... Because sometimes it has happened to me, and, and this is not me being pretentious, it's just it happened. When I was new, I was better than a lot of people who yes. were not new. And they would put me in the in the place for the new guys. And that was good, except that I felt really mortified because if I did really well and they came on after me and they didn't do as well... It didn't look like a good show. There has to be a crescendo. There has to be a crescendo. Yes. So when Solin was doing his thing, I was like, he's going to be fine. Like, I can do that. I had this show like three weeks ago at a casino. We were ignored by 99% of people there. But he opened and I was like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be fine because I can trust this guy. I can trust this guy. And it... 
it's kind of like what you were telling me when, when you did this big show and you asked me and you told me and you, you said it with, it was as many words, you said something like, I like you, but also your comedy is good. Like, I trust that you're going to do yeah. a good job. And it it's also the idea that when you're doing a show and most of the shows, if not all of them, they're all with more than one comedian. You have to also know that you can trust someone. You, someone's going to have your back. So that, that show that, be I mean, yeah. also the idea of a good this community you can trust, it's not only like right there on the show. For me, it's when I go to open mics, when I go to, uh, when you know, any other event with comedians, I it's these people that I know are working to do their best show no matter where they are presenting themselves. Exactly. It's like, because a lot of comedians, like, and I've talked about this before, like, I, I cannot, I do not have any patience anymore for newer comedians that don't want to open a show. That like, they're like, if I'm doing a show, I'm like, okay, you can open my show. No, I want to be in the middle because I'm, I'm scared. I don't give a shit if you're scared. I was, I literally, the only thing I did for my first year in comedy was open shows. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. And still, you know, like when I go to the US, I know that nobody knows me there. So I need to, they put me in the beginning yeah. and I have to open the show and do it good and, you know, and have a tight five to 10 minutes and that's it. And if you're not working to have tight five minutes that open a show yeah. or tight 10 minutes that are not going to bring a show down crashing in the middle of it, uh, then what are you doing? I mean, then you're just coming, you're doing comedy because you like it. It's a hobby and that's fine. But, you know, also, don't waste my time. Anyway. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think the idea of comedians you can trust is that. It's comedians that, for me, it's that. It's comedians that I know. The last, I think the next step for me was with, with uh, this man named, well, his name is Carlos, but we call him Conde Fabregat, uh, because he looks like a vampire. Yes. Um, he probably is. We had a very, we had, a, we had a similar show. We had like a very small showing for, for uh, a show we did together with other two guys. And, uh, he did, uh, he was going, I was closing that show and he was coming before me. And it was, there were only like five people, but he played it like it was a hundred people. Oh, because he's got, he's got this amazing attitude. Yeah. Conde has I mean, he's just. <laughs> He doesn't. He, un, like, when we're, like, before going in, he was like, there's too many few people. I know, I'm not, you know, because he's and had so many. And on stage. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, even if, like, on, like, off stage, he was, like, hating the very idea of doing a show for five people. When he went, he, he did, it was a thing like, well, that's my issue. That's not the audience's he issue. He got the job done. He yeah. went on stage and he did it and he just went full throttle. And how did he go? And it went amazing. I mean, the show was doing good, but he did amazing. And I had to follow him. And following the Conde... In a good situation, it's already challenging. I, I don't want to be in that position ever. And ever. and but but the other thing is, it's like for me was like because I have been in a situation similar before where, where another comedian was like very on and I and I tried to match the, the energy and I said like I don't have to match his energy. I just need to be also on my best game. Yeah. I'm never going to be the same comedian as the Conde because but, Conde is a very high energy, exactly. fast delivery kind of thing and exactly. you're not exactly yeah. but I can give them as good of a show exactly. in my own way and that's what I did and the other thing I can do is be really like ha 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 catty about other comedians in you know like in a friendly way yeah. and I did that with the Conde and it worked 
perfectly with you because we all love the Conde. So, yes. so me saying like, oh my God, Conde, I, I would love to be the person they find, you know, chopped up in your fridge. <laughs> that went <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, and you've uh, known him for many years. Also, yeah. Years. Like, yeah. So, so um, comedians you can trust. I love that. That's a big thing. It's, it's a huge thing. And this thing that you're saying, like, you know, that not comparing yourself in the sense of because you're not the same and this thing that you just said I'm only kind of starting to learn it right now because I am in my comedy is fairly low energy yes all in all I, it's not like I'm I don't I, I don't I don't think I'm boring but no, I'm <laughs> but I'm usually fairly um, deadpan I'm usually fairly deadpan with only small moments of little hysteria little like um, you know losing yeah, you, control you have you know you have a Spectre. Yeah. yeah, I have a spectre, but it's usually, if, if you have to Spectrum. say... A, spe- a spectre. El Conde, that's the spectre. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you have to summarize my delivery style, it's usually this very kind of like passive-aggressively smiling yeah. at this thing. Yeah, but it's very low-key. And sometimes you have to follow this guy who is just like explosive and physical and just taking over the stage and you know you're 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 condes and you're solines and you're aguitas and you're quiroses and these huge people you know um and you have to kind of know that as you say yeah i'm gonna do the best with what i have this is what i bring to the table and it's gonna be my best if it's if i'm deadpan then i'm deadpan but i'm i'm gonna be the best deadpan Exactly. And the audience and can follow you. That's the thing. Like, it, it's just was about the same. Like, you, you're going to give your, the audience, no matter how big or small, you're going to give them the best show. The best you can do. You can, you can, yeah. you can do it. And you're, you're not going to be like, it's only five people, so I don't have to be at my best. No. I've no. seen that. I, I, I see it more. I, or not see. I notice it more now. Comedians, that like when they have a, a full audience, they're like, ooh. But when, when they feel the show isn't worthy of them, they just don't give it their all. And it's just, and it, it's this thing like, it becomes, well, you know, when someone else talks about you, it's like, well, I saw him and so and so, and he seems kind of, yeah. It's not like, well, you know, we had it, we had him, we were other, we were four people in the room, and he made us laugh like we were a hundred, you know? Exactly. Like, so, so anyway. So, worst shows, your turn. Do you want me, you want me to go first? I can go first if you want. Um, yeah, you go first. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you about another two stories, uh, very quick. The first one was um, my first terrible show. Okay. Um, this was, I'd been probably doing stand-up for two two months, probably two months. And not every show had been stellar up, up until that point, but my first terrible show was um, my uh, my teacher, my stand-up teacher, she had this show on Saturdays where she would showcase her students. And I'd already done my bit there and I was very happy and so on. And then at one, at some point she, um, she is unable to go. She usually closed that show and she was unable to do that. And her, uh, closer or her backup closer wasn't able to go either, uh, as well. So she calls me and she says, do you want to close my show? And I was like, yes. Of course I do. And I'd just written this joke that I'd done on a show the previous evening, which was about dick pics. It was a... a, a, I haven't told it in ages, but it's a long joke. Yeah, that's what I thought about the other day that you... Did you ever see my dick pic joke? Yeah, just photograph one. Exactly. Yeah, that's the one. I haven't done it in ages. Um... I, I don't usually do it because Solin, who I'm in a lot of shows with, he has a dick pic joke as well, so I don't like... Um... 
So anyway, I'd done that joke the previous evening to an audience of millennials, and it fucking killed. It was just wonderful. And I was feeling kind of on top of the world because like, wow, I just wrote this this joke on Monday. I put it in an open mic on Tuesday and it killed. I put in a show on Friday and it killed. And now it's Saturday and I'm going to close with that. And this is my comedy central. And I'm going to close with the new joke. Well, you were talking about my balls. That takes pretty big balls. Yes, well, and here's what happened. Here's what happened. I had another joke that I could have closed with. But I was like, this joke did so well. So I started my my set. It, it was all going okay. It was okay for the first 10 minutes. I needed to do 25. So I reached the twin, I, I reached the 17 minute mark. And I go, okay, let's, let's bring it home. I'm going to go with dick pics. And I failed to realize, even though I had noticed, I failed to realize an audience was on average 45 to 50 years old. Yeah. I should have changed it. I should have paid attention. Dick pics. That's not a topic that a lot of 45-year-olds are familiar with. I didn't... I, In retrospect, obviously, I should have changed it. I didn't. And I went, okay, fine. I'm just going to close with this. And I start telling my dick pic trick. It was eight to nine minutes of silence. Deathly Silence. Somebody could have died on that stage <laughs> because it was almost a reverence of silence. Like oh, they wow. were, they were like respectfully letting me pass on to the afterlife in front of them. Everyone was so uncomfortable. And my joke is very, it's a very racy joke. It's a very, it is. It's very in your face. It ends with this like awful thing. It's just probably one of the darkest jokes I've ever written. It ends with that. And I didn't stop. I should have just stopped. I should have just gone like after the first minute and like, this is not working. I've got my ghost joke. Everyone loves my ghost joke. It used to be my closer. To be then. fair, maybe this show was already dead at that point. Maybe, but maybe I could have saved it. I don't know. And maybe after one minute and a half of silence, there is no way you can, you can win that show back. Although it's happened. I've seen it happen. I've seen some comedians just begin to bomb and then somehow they just regroup and oh, they yeah, just go no. like, oh, and, 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 and part of it is that we've bombed enough times that we can... That we're just like, okay, fine. But that was my first bomb. And I just kept telling that joke. And I kept telling that joke. And people were not laughing. And I was like, I'm going to keep telling this motherfucking joke until these people start laughing. And they never start They never started. There was not a chuckle, nothing, for nine minutes. And because I had done my time by then, and by the way, there were the, like, the newbies, the other newbies, because I was a newbie as well, the other newbies were watching, mm -hmm. and they were like, what the fuck is going on? And because I end with the, with the most, with the riskiest part of the joke, And I didn't get a laugh then. It was that awful moment of... Thank you. I've been Luis Augusto. Have a good evening. And there was like, just like, thank you. It was, it was like, a, a... Goodbye. No, it was like, thank you for letting us go. These were, these were my hostages. And I was liberating my hostages I've because they felt, they felt aggravated. They felt aggravated. I remember leaving that show and I called my boyfriend and I tell him, I, I just, I just broke a show. 
everything was okay. I'm not going to say the guys that went before me were great because they weren't, but... But things were going fine. Things were okay. It was gonna. It was gonna be an okay show. It was going to be like I'm gonna go in and then close my first show here in Forest Shakespeare, an important place, and being given this great chance, and I just fucked it. And I could. And the worst part is, it could have been prevented. That's that's where it stings the most because if you know if I'd done my my best material, if I'd done the bits that I've tried before and they always work and for some reason they don't work that evening. Well, you can go like, okay, well, I must have done something wrong. Fuck, I don't know what that was, but I must have done something wrong. I stepped off that stage knowing exactly what I'd done wrong and I, how I could have prevented it. I could have just said, wait, these are not millennials. I mean, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and even if when they're not millennials, you, you assume due to just cultural you know, things that you're at least aware of what a dick pic is, even if you're not, even if you're not in your Haiti, you're sending them back and forth. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I totally get it because every bad show you feel like it was preventable. I don't know. Cause it maybe wasn't that joke. Maybe- it was, it was that joke. It was it. I, I, it was so clear because everything was going okay. I told my first joke, fine. And okay. I've got a pretty dark and twisted sense of humor. But no, I mean, that took it too far. And since then, I'm very reluctant to tell that. Yeah, joke. actually, that's why I, 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 I was going to say, say that because I heard that joke and I think I... I a lot so, of people like that joke. Actually. I, 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 I enjoy that joke. Yeah. Um, I, and you haven't said it in a while. And actually, I was thinking about it like, you know, like he hasn't said that. And I, usually that happens. I've had that happen with jokes where you're like, even if they're good, if, if, if they, if you just link them to something bad, it's I'm not going like, to do it. No. Yeah. Sorry. It'll come back. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Maybe, maybe it'll come back. I'm fine without it, but it was just, oh God, the feeling as I left the theater and it was just, you know, how it wasn't at the Forest Shakespeare, all the comedians were hanging out because it was, it was such a nice place to hang out. Everyone was there, was having yeah. beers. And, you know, like, there was Alex Elisogna. And, there, was like, hey, again, have and, and again, there's so several, like, forums. So yeah. usually there's several comedians, other comedians having exactly. shows. Exactly. Everyone's just, like, hanging out. And I go out, and I remember Alex Elisogna's like, do you want to have a beer? I was like, I'm fine. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And I went home, tail between my legs. It was awful. Awful. And another one I want to say is... Um, last, I, I'm not going to say his name. He's a, he is a comedian I respect a lot. I, I am a huge fan of his comedy. Very good. He's a very, um, he's, I, I, I wouldn't lie. He's really good. But that day I had to close a show at Woko. We had about half a full house. It was good. It was about 20 people in the audience. It was fine. And he went over 15 minutes and he did what you did. He closed the show where there was still another comedian coming. Yeah. So he just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And here's what happened. First of all, I went in going like, I'm just going to do my best. Like, it's fine. But the audience, they felt, I, I didn't I didn't think that was possible, but they felt that the show was over. And you could tell that they were resisting me. They were resisting me. They were resisting me. And then another comedian, a very vet, veteran comedian that wasn't a part of the show, but he'd watched the, the whole thing. He starts telling the comedian, who is a friend of mine, he starts telling him off at the window. 
Oh. So as I was doing my thing, I could hear this comedian who was very drunk at the time going, you just fucked him. You just fucked him. Look at him. He's having such a hard time. He's got really good material. And you fucked him. You're so selfish. Look at him suffer. And I was hearing this. And if I could hear this on stage, the audience could hear everything. So as I was trying to make them laugh, this guy was going like, look at this poor bugger. And at that point, the audience is going like, I want to hear that sentence. Like, that was more interesting than what I was doing. So it was... They want to go like... Are you, are you having a bad day? It was a terrible show, but it was such a bizarre thing to be hearing that. And I learned that day yeah. because I didn't, I didn't think that was possible. And now that you just said this, I was like, yeah, you can actually end a show before the show I had, ends. This is a, this is a thing as Sam Butler, who just, who came, uh, recently to Pinchot England, is come, he's starting to do Spanish comedy because he, he, uh, he's going to be opening for Franco Scamilla. Um, he, he told me like in that show, he was in that show and he did good. And then I did. And when I finished, he came out of the, he, he came out to talk to me and I felt bad because that means this other comedian was on stage and I had basically vacated a table because it was him and his girlfriend, another friend and girlfriend. So I felt bad, you know, and he told me, you closed that show. And I, and, I, and I felt bad. And he's like, and he told me like, don't feel bad. It happens. You know, sometimes the closer doesn't go. At the end, yep. especially in these shows with several comedians going one after the other, um, it happens. And yeah, like I, I felt bad, but also like when I when I came back on stage, people were like, basically, it was I felt kind of bad too because I like her, uh, but it was people were like, your, your set was awesome, and they would look at my friend and would say nothing, not even like a compliment, like that you were good too, like you were great, and I was like, yeah. I'm going to go hide in the bathroom. But, um, which I didn't because I love compliments. Uh, even if I suck at... I love them. compliments as well, but I've, I've had people come up to me and say, in front of everyone else, just like, you were the best. Yeah. Everyone else sucked. You were the best. Yeah, it, yeah? it's amazing when you're like, you're with other comedians and you just came in like, he was like, it was, I mean, I've had several like, you know, like one time in, like in front of someone else, like, it's good that you close the show because everyone else was just bad. And I was, and I was just like... I was like, bitch... There's and all like, of us it's here. True, it's true. But you shouldn't say. Maybe it. it's true. No, it uh, teaches you about all okay. the moving pieces. Let me talk about because uh, I've I've talked other worst shows here. Like I've talked the one that like kept me out of uh, comedy for a month. Uh, my first worst show was opening for Felipe Najera, and after I came out of that show, I did not stay for the rest of the show. I went home. On the way home, I bought two wine bottles, which I drank by myself at home. And that's when I realized I wanted to do comedy because I was like, this one sucked and I still can't wait to get on stage again and prove that I can do this. And make it right. Exactly. Yeah. Because a lot of people, one bad show just ruins the illusion for them. It's like, I had a bad show after not really having a good show, let's be honest. And they're like, no laughs, I'm done. Uh, and you need to... If only. If you need I to I wish learn, more people were like that. It happens to a couple of people. Um, you, were, you just don't know. Anywho... Um, so, uh, worst show, uh, this one was actually cancelled. Um, okay, so I had a show at Wokel. Uh, I, I had, okay, we've talked about this, about this, which is, uh, we, we hate self-promotion. Oh, God, yes. Self-promotion, uh, it's a, it's a chore, it's... Shitting bricks. Who, uh, who are you? 
Who am I? No one. I'm not. Oh, yeah. And what do I want? I don't remember that. Yes. That's you. Who am I? No one. What do I want? Something. See my problem? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've forgotten about that. That's a good one. (laughs) So I had a show for Valentine's Day uh, last year at Woko. And usually Valentine's Day, it's it's either you either market it like for couples or you don't do anything because... Like, people want to look at each other's faces. Yeah, and they don't want to go to a comedy show. It's one of those weird days. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was free, and I, I wanted a date, and they told me, well, this one's free. I'm like, I'll take it. And I was one of my more depressive about, so, like, I didn't do much self-promotion. I, I kind of told people... I, I, I did try, like, I did the Facebook ad. I had the flyer and everything. And 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 one person, I, I offered... Um, uh, like free tickets and one person wanted a free ticket and that was the only person that went to oh, that God. show. Um, so I, you know, you, you, it's 9 p.m. This guy actually arrived at like quarter to nine because he, he's a fan. Like, thank you. Thank you for being a fan. You have fans. Uh, and he was, and he came by himself, which tells you a lot about my fan base. <laughs> well, you know, you do appeal to a certain demographic, you know. Are you gay? Are you lonely? Yeah, Martin exactly. Leon is the comedian for you. Are you 40, apparently? You That's 40? another question. Was he cute? You know what? I don't like to judge people by appearances. I do. Just tell me. I mean, that, that was a veiled no. Okay. <laughs> but thank you for drawing back the veil. Uh, so anyway, I like veils. Um, to no avail. <laughs> puns. I'm sorry. Uh, so, um, or okay, so guy shows up. I had like I had like three weeks to like promote the show. It felt like you know every time I tweeted anything, I was just like, uh, it was just awful. No, and he arrived. I arrived. No one else. I was outside with a girl that was going to be the only other comedian in that show. Um, and nothing, 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 nothing. I had not gone to like a friend's, you know, night thing because I was doing a show. I didn't want to, you know, like, there were like, there, there weren't even like many, usually in Walker, like comedians come back and forth. Like not even that was happening. It was... <laughs> No, it was the night that nobody came. Exactly, just like not even the people who were leaving their other shows and going to walk no, up for a drink. Just it like, was, yeah. it was just sad and lonely. And I'm breaking up with. I say, I say this, and I don't have any. I wanted to like, like spin out some sort of lesson out of it, but I don't. Other than this is a thing that happened to me. Like I did have one person, and you know, for a, one second, I did think, okay, well, you know, we could do a one-person show. And ho- hopefully some people would walk by and, you know, come in. You, you went the other way and you cancelled it. I I cancelled it. And I told the guy, well, you know, can, like next show that I have, you can come for free. Uh, and he just stayed and kept on drinking, which, you know, tells you something else. About your fan base. Yeah, that's, that's right on the demographic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the girl I was with didn't even try to cheer me up. She was like, well, you know. I'm going home. She was actually, she didn't go home. She actually went, she actually went to see a guy to have sex with. Um, Which is relevant because we hate her. No, I don't hate her. Okay. She just wanted to have a better time that I, that was going to. 
And it's good. It's good it's that good. you went to It's good that somebody had a good time. That exactly, he, yeah. exactly. Because like the bartender was was just there by himself. Because this guy wasn't even ordering like drinks. He was ordering beer. So all he had mm. to do was this. He wasn't ordering food, so the waiters had nothing to do, and I was just there, not doing anything. And yeah, again, there's nothing to learn about except that it sucked. It sucked, and I haven't had such a bad show ever since. I had a similar experience before that with a troupe where it was like the four of us and not one person came. And that was frustrating also in the fact that I was there, the show supposedly was started at 9, it was 10 p.m. and there was no audience and I was the only comedian at the, there. Like the other comedians hadn't arrived there. So the anger was able to override everything else. Really? Yeah. But it was just me, you know, just me by myself. Um, I'd rather have no one than have one person. Yeah, no. Yeah, no me one. too. That's fine. Like you can just me go. Me too. Home. I you know just, that by experience. Yeah, you can just yeah. fucking go home. You can just like, oh, it's cancel, cancel. This is yeah, exactly. It's just whatever. And I was just, it was just that. It was. Just, I mean, again, I've had really bad shows, uh, audience wise, and you know, like material wise. I've talked about this before. It was just me. Like this is me going like Martin. Well, you don't self promote. This is part of the job. You can. You either get an agent, as you've mentioned before, or, you know, someone in marketing. I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to get a fucking agent because I can't. I just... Or I you just, you know, swallow, swallow, you know, like, do it. Tell people, come to my show. No, but I do that. It's just that I've got, like, a thousand followers, which is equals nothing, you know, and... Well, at the time, I already had 9,000 9, followers, and again... What do you think my pull is then? That's the thing. And the but problem is that a lot of people the, expect I, you to fill their show. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, and, and I've, I've actually had confrontations because I'm not a very confrontational kind of person. I'm usually quite easygoing and quite mellow. But one time there was this place, we've both had shows at that place. I will not mention the place. But um, they, they created the WhatsApp group chat and they were like, we haven't sold it. No, no. Uh, seven days out they're like we haven't sold any tickets what are you guys doing about that and I'm like I just I just replied to them I was like every person I consider a friend has seen me already I've let them know that I'm having a show and I've let the people who follow me know that I'm having a show other than offering blowjobs for people to come see my show and I can't even guarantee that will work what the fuck do you suggest you guys have the bar you guys have the business. Yeah. We are the entertainment. We are not uh, advertising. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yes. No. Yes. I hate it. But, and this is where, it's like, you are also your own product. You are the thing that you're selling. And I've seen what other people are buying comedy um, quality wise. And my new way to look at it is like, well, it's so-and-so who I consider to not to not only not be good, but acting actively bad can get 20 people to come to a show. So when I have been able to do the shows that I have been able to get... You should ask him to open for you. No, because I don't want him near my comedy show. <laughs> or, you know, uh, no, it's... I need... It's, it's part of like, yeah, maybe you don't like self-promotion, but it is part of the job. Or it is something you need to delegate to someone who can do it. Uh, but until that becomes a business, you know, it's this thing where I'm, where I'm like, 
okay, what are people doing? What are, what are they, what's been, what's successful when it comes to selling a show? How can I emulate it? And how do I connect? How do I get butts in seats? That's it. How do I get butts in seats? And I get it, but it's still, I think it's still wrong for people to make it responsible for it. No, I mean, when people, I mean, when people call me and tell me like, I, I mean, there's this place and, and I get the idea that they want to meet me to fill the show. What I tell them is like, I don't have that pull. Like if you want someone to come in and get 30 people into your show, because I will give you the quality for the show. No, no. Like I did a show recently like that where they had like four new comedians starting and then me. Yeah, but the full and, comedians they bring their aunts and their people on the yeah, girlfriends and both yeah, but 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 I'm but I'm I, and what the I, quality and when that happened not only that I saved that show for that producer because well, the chef for the, and the owner for that restaurant like if that show because they told me the previous show nobody laughed it was like friends and stuff but it was like a full hour of people just staring at dead silence seat. yes so Jesus I went I I hosted and I closed it was a great show and so I can do that. Yeah, I have the quality, and then now I mean I can. That's one way to do it, and you know, in places that you know that gets you when when that gets you jobs, and it does get me jobs. You know, I'm good at that. Good, but if I want to do my show and I want to and I want to have you know my people, I need to actually find the find all the lonely forty uh, year old gay gay guys and come to my show because there are enough forty year old lonely gay guys in Mexico City to fill Woko. Sure. Sure, no, but the thing is, I don't know, I, I just, I feel like it's it's a bit, like, I don't, you know what, I feel that Mexican stand-up is in a bubble, a financial bubble, like Goldman Sachs style, housing market 2008 style, okay. because we're selling more comedy than there actually yes. is, True. so it's all like comedy shows everywhere, comedy shows everywhere, and they, and I see the flyers, and I'm like, who the fuck are these people, like, I don't, yeah. I don't like, but you, but you can't focus on that. No, but the thing is that that ma- that makes people want to scam each other. I've told you the story of how I was scammed. Oh, oh they yeah. wanted to scam me. Rather, they did not yeah, fall that, for it. But then, but we come. But back they scammed to, a friend of ours. But we come back to what? To the comedians you trust. True. And that, and, and for example, a, a friend of mine recently like asked me, "Okay, I want to go to this place. Uh, I'm not gonna name, not gonna name any names. Beer hall." <laughs> And she said, I'm going to go to Beer Hall. And she sent me the flyer. She's like, because I want to watch stand-up. She sent me the flyer. What do you think? And I told her, don't waste your money. Like, don't. This is not something you should... This is because not... these are expensive shows, too. They are. Like, I, I see people it's, who've it's, been it's, doing this and... for three months and they're charging 250 pesos yeah. for that. I was like, what the Yeah, fuck? it's 200 plus, you know, for the audience. It's that plus the beer, plus, the, plus dinner, plus parking, plus everything. You know, plus gas. So, you know, I saw I saw that and I'm like, don't... I, I, and she was taking... She was going... With friends who had never seen stand-up before. No. And I, I saw the lineup, and I'm like, I'm not going to name names. Seriously, this time. Just don't uh, waste And I'm so like, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Like, the week after that, I had my show in, uh, in Centro 39, like my big show that only 40 people came to. Which, you know, it's a, it's, it's a respectable number. 40 is good. A respectable number, but in Centro 39, that sits 180. It, it feels very small. really sad. Yeah. Um, so, um, so for... for I saw that. I, I saw the I saw lineup. I'm like, don't. Uh, and again, it comes back to that. It comes to comedians and performance you trust. Yeah. Uh, it's you can't control who goes on stage in Mexico, but you can give the people the best show you can. And I've seen that 
Because at first it was like, I don't like stand-up, period. But then I, I see people, like, I don't like stand-up. And then someone else asks, well, who have you seen? Well, so-and-so. Well, so I don't know them, but I saw this person live. They were great. I, I was tagged recently in, you know, like, because we did the show for Pride. And I was tagged in so many places that, like, for people who say you don't like stand-up, you should see these comedians. And we're all yeah. tagged. And, and that's it. You know, like, we... Because that was another show in which we all went on stage to do our best. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it. You can't control who go... You can't control the comedy scene unless you want to become a mafia boss for the comedy scene in Mexico. Which I would help you with. I would... I, I could... I would help you mafia with. Mafia boss. If you need someone... I don't really wear them, but I can wear the fuck out of a tux. Like, <laughs> you would look great. I, I do. I, I do. Uh, I do look great. It's just I hate them. So what you want to have to do is that. It's come back and be... Ah, <sighs> This became bitter. Uh, yeah, but I tried to come bring it back with comedians to trust. Let's trust comedians. It's Let's a good, trust, yeah. trustworthy comedians. Trustworthy comedians. And the only way you're going to find out who you who you can trust is by being people who with whom you can't... Like, and what I told a lot of people is when you see a good comedian, when you see a comedian you like, also... I, I do that now with artists on Twitter and Tumblr that I like, that are they, they draw, they're singers or actors, whatever. I just saw this great cabaret play called El Evangelio Según Juan Gaga. I laughed the whole way through. It was amazing. It's just that... Uh, you know, broadcast the art yeah, that you no, like definitely. for there to be more art. And have standards. Have fucking standards. Like, I'm sorry, but... Like, yeah, that's, another, told, that's told, another thing you can't control. No, <laughs> but it's true. Like, you know, like, I, 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 I hate politeness. I don't like politeness. I don't need it. It's been made clear. I don't do politeness. <laughs> so when someone does a, does a shit move, I tell them. Like, I yeah. tell them. So, like... We know comedians. There's a comedian we know who is like, I, I've told, like, look, you have something, but you're, you're an attention whore. Like, I can't trust you to think of everyone. You think of yourself. I mean, and it's true. Like, I've had people who will ask me to come to shows and they'll have me opening for them and they will actually get into ego fights. Like, I, I want to close after him. And the owner of the place goes, but he's stronger than you. He needs to close. This is not a man. And I was like, no, 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 we have to change it. That's someone whom you can't trust. Exactly. And that's, yeah. That's just, that's the thing when people tell me like, I've been in several where people are like, you're always closing. I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm always closing because we all agree. ABC, always be closing. You're angry that I'm I'm closing, but I don't see you working on your material. And you're not always closing. When you came to Loteria about two months ago, you 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 were in the middle and you fucking brought the house down and I had to follow you. But you did good. I, I, did, I did okay. That wasn't a closer set. I did okay. No, but the thing... But I was very but, nervous. But the thing, but following thing, you is not easy. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I try to not do the... But but what I will say is like, I will t- I will see people who are like, they, they're not letting me close. And I'm like, yeah, but you have the same set that you've had for the past year, why would they let you close with that set when that is not a closing set? Unless you get... Com- what, which is what they do, is they bring comedians that are weaker and you have a weaker show in general. And, you know, like, whatever, float your boat. Again, I mean, coming back to this, it's... We should all be working to improve the standards of the whole scene and not, you know, tripping people so that, you know, you're better than me? Well, then, goodbye. Anywho... Absolutely. Anyway, I need to go to Martin has to, to go show. to a show. I have a show as well. Where are you? Where are you going? I'm doing clandestinos at. All uh, oh, right. Boom. boom. Ooh, that's a great. It's thing. a big, big gig. Yeah. Big gig. 
I have a very small gig. But it's where, a nice is, it, where is your gig? It's a beer bank Condesa. It's, I've never been. Yeah. Who are you? Who are you with? Adriana Chavez and two other new comedians. Okay, good. So but we're trying to get a, like a Wednesday stand-up night going. Okay, then August. Call me for August because I've um, all the Wednesdays of July. Anyway, okay. bye. Thank Goodbye. you for joining us. Mexicans, follow us on social media. The three of us, the podcast, Luis Augusto and me. Have a nice life. Goodbye. Is this, did it actually record? I don't know. Did it? It did. It did, did you? It did.